Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show. And we love your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. Everyone has that one funny friend, the wise guy, the one that's mastered pranks as clever comebacks or pulls humor out of the strangest situations. Maybe, well, just maybe, if you're lucky, you're one of them. But we all know at least one, and they have the best stories. Today's wise guy, Duncan Scott, hails from the great state of New Mexico. When I was elected to the state Senate in New Mexico in 1992, I was on a path of politics. But after I served four years in the state Senate, I concluded while it was an incredible honor to represent the people who were in my district, it was an absolute waste of my time. I was a Republican. New Mexico is a heavily blue democratic state. So whatever Republican principles or philosophy I brought to the state Senate, it was dead on arrival. An educated monkey could have sat in my chair and it would have made no difference whatsoever for the arc of New Mexico history. When I did the pointy hat bill, it was obvious to me that If I proposed serious legislation, it wasn't going anywhere. And the pointy hat bill was really to address the insanity defense plea. So I thought that satire and uh, humor 
was a better form for getting out the idea that the insanity defense is way overused and inappropriately than drafting some technical change on the rules of evidence uh, that nobody would see and would fall asleep if they read. Your listeners will have to go back to the summer of 94, and some (laughs) will be alive. And my story with the pointy hat bill starts with O.J. Simpson. You recall he was driving with Al Dowling uh, down the Santa Monica Freeway in the white Bronco, and America was captured by it that night. And I was watching it on TV, and the commentators were saying, O.J. will plead... Uh, the insanity defense. He's clearly done it, uh, and that's his only option. Of course, later that proved not to be true, but as I watched the white Bronco and then reflected on it over the next few days, I came to the uh, idea that I would draft the pointy hat bill and introduce it when O.J. pled the insanity defense. So, We now know that O.J. not only didn't plead the insanity defense, but he was acquitted on all charges by a jury the next year. So I drafted this bill and had it in my Senate bill drawer, not introduced, and I would show it to some of my friends in the Senate, and they'd all have a good laugh, and we yucked about it, and I didn't think too much about it. Then one night, a benign bill came out on the Senate floor to relicense psychologists. There was a sunsetting provision, and it was really an incontroversial or non-controversial bill. And while it's on the floor, a friend of mine who had seen my pointy hat bill turned around and said, hey, why don't you attach your bill as a floor amendment to that bill? And I said, that's a great idea. Grab the Senate. So my colleagues stood up and started debating the bill, which gave me time to get out scissors and tape. And I cut up my bill and taped it to a floor amendment sheet and ran it up to the to the uh, reader of the Senate. Now, at that point, normally the reader would photocopy the bill and distribute it to the 42 senators. Instead, I asked permission for the reader to read my floor amendment. When a psychologist or psychiatrist testifies during a defendant's competency hearing, the psychologist or psychiatrist shall wear a cone-shaped hat that is not less than two feet tall. The surface of the hat shall be imprinted with stars and lightning bolts. Additionally, the psychologist or psychiatrist shall be required to don a white beard that is not less than 18 inches in length and shall punctuate crucial elements of his testimony by stabbing the air with a wand. Whenever a psychologist or psychiatrist provides expert testimony regarding a defendant's competency, the bailiff shall contemporaneously dim the courtroom lights and administer two strikes to a Chinese gong. Not surprisingly, uh, the Senate got a good laugh. And then I stood up because it's bad form to joke with people's bills, so I asked to withdraw my amendment. Instead of the body allowing me to withdraw it, the Senate passed my amendment. So then I stood up and said, I have so little control or power in this body, I can't even kill my own bills. So at that point, the benign licensing of psychologists now has my pointy hat bill on it, and the sponsor of this benign bill, Senator Romero, was standing there sort of shell-shocked, And worse, he had a psychologist next to him who was the expert to testify on the bill if needed. And now his bill has my pointy hat amendment on it. So I went over and I apologized to Senator Romero and to the uh, psychologist saying, you know, I I did my best not to get it attached, but here we go. And then uh, the bill went over to the House. The House stripped the amendment off, sent it back to the Senate. We concurred and... Um, that's how the bill <laughs> made its way through the legislative process, really on a happy accident one night, late, late at night. I did not run again and did not do much in terms of politics in New Mexico thereafter. I really focused on 
my law practice, raising a son, uh, having a wonderful marriage, and you know, mom pop stuff. I've had a wonderful life. It's been it's been a great adventure, but I was through with politics at that point. And great work to Joey for bringing us that piece, and a special thanks to Duncan Scott, the greatest political prank in American history, the pointy hat bill, the story behind it here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. is Our American Stories, and up next, today we're going to dive into some of the history behind Route 66. Jim Hinckley is a world traveler and Route 66 enthusiast. He's written 20 books, including the Route 66 Encyclopedia and Ghost Towns of Route 66. Here's Jim on how this legendary highway came to be. Route 66 is a fascinating animal. It is not uh, our nation's oldest highway. It's not our most scenic highway. But it's always had the best press and publicity from its very inception in 1926. And it has morphed into a, uh, an amazing situation where it has been, it's now has an international fan club. And it's come to serve as a symbol for American freedom the quintessential Great American Road Trip. It, uh, there's Route 66 associations in about a dozen countries that organize events, festivals, and tours. Uh, I work with several tour companies in Europe, Australia, and New Zealand that specialize just in Route 66 trips. But one of the most amazing things about Route 66 in the modern era is the highway does not exist. In 1984, the last community, Williams, Arizona, was bypassed by Interstate 40. In the following year, 1985, Route 66 was decertified and removed as an official U.S. highway. So the most famous highway in America technically doesn't even exist. Route 66 connects Chicago to Santa Monica, California. Originally, the western terminus was in Los Angeles, and then in the 1930s, it was moved further west out to Santa Monica. And it was an evolutionary situation. Uh, President John Quincy Adams originally had proposed a, a nationwide system of highways, and it was kind of a stillborn project. The railroad eclipsed that. And uh, so the, the idea kind of languished for a while. And it's actually the bicycle. In uh, the late 1880s, bicycles evolved. They went from the penny-farthing bicycles, the ones with the tall front wheel, the small back wheel, and became the modern safety bicycle. And in just a few short years, there was an absolute national obsession with bicycles. We went from having 24 bicycle manufacturers in the United States in 1890 to several hundred bicycle manufacturers in 1896. And so uh, an organization was established called the League of American Wheelmen. They began petitioning and working with governments and lobbying for the creation of a good roads movement. And with the advent of the American auto industry in the mid-1890s, this morphed into the Good Roads Association, the formation of AAA and uh, other organizations. And there was a situation of what they call named highways, the Lincoln Highway, the Dixie Highway, uh, the Jefferson Highway, the National Trails Highway. And they were attempts to create a nationwide network of roads, but it was still inadequate. And so over a period of about 15 years of, of political wrangling, we finally developed in the mid-1920s the U.S. highway system. Americans have always had wanderlust. You know, uh, Daniel Boone, the Cumberland Gap, uh, people moving west. Uh, we've always been a restless people. 
And with the advent of the automobile, uh, Ransom E. Olds of Oldsmobile started tinkering with uh, this in the 1880s. The Duryea brothers actually started producing automobiles for sale about 1895. But it was still a novelty. The Barnum and Bailey Circus in 1896 gave a Duryea motor wagon top billing over the albino, the fat lady, and the bearded lady at the circus. Montgomery Ward said it was a fad you should take your children to see before it passes. Where people were interested in bicycle touring, now the automobilists became all the rage. People were taking trips, people were traveling. And with the advent of Route 66 in the U.S. highway system, of course, this took on a new dimension uh, with the automobile. Interestingly enough, it still took time, even though we had a U.S. highway system. Route 66 was not fully paved until 1936. The 1930s, of course, it became the Great Depression, and Route 66 and other highways became a road of desperation as people fled to California in the West in hopes of better opportunity. Uh, 1939, 1940, you had The Grapes of Wrath, the book and the movie, that proclaimed Route 66 as the mother road. Then 1946, you had uh, Bobby Troop's song about Get Your Kicks on Route 66, sung by Nat King Cole. And then in the early 60s, we had the television program, Route 66. The most popular television program of the time, the Lucille Ball Show, there was a three-part episode where Desi and Lucy drove from New York to California. And a lot of this they took and they were on Route 66. So the roads always had the best press and publicity. And if you fast forward to the modern era, I was very privileged to listen to a fellow from the Czech Republic uh, talk about Route 66. And Zenik is the founder of the Czechoslovakian Route 66 Association. And he talked about growing up in a communist country, listening to Radio Free America, and watching bootleg copies of movies like Easy Rider, which was filmed on Route 66. And Route 66, the motorcycle, Harley Davidson's, uh, all came to symbolize a freedom. And as he put it, for his generation, Route 66, the road trip, the American road trip, came to symbolize freedom the way the Statue of Liberty had done for a previous generation. Anywhere from 60 to 75% of the travelers on Route 66 are from other countries. And there's international uh, association all along the road. For example, in the little town of Elkhart, Illinois, there's a bank that was built in 1909. And the town is pretty much a ghost town. It has one, one block. This beautiful bank was acquired by uh, Peter Niehaus. And he's a Dutch hydraulic engineer who lived in South Africa for many years. He's a woodworker by hobby, and his wife is a mural artist. They fell in love with Route 66. They bought this bank, they renovated it, and they created the Wild Hair Cafe, a delightful little place. In Kingman, Arizona, there's an old uh, 1939 motel, the El Trovador. And like many old motels, it became a flop house and a, a literal crack house, just a horrible place. And a gentleman from Israel, uh, passionate about Route 66, has bought and renovated the hotel. You have people uh, buying old motels and old cafes and renovating them. Uh, you have a younger generation that's walking away from corporate jobs, wanting more out of life, more quality. So they're, they're opening businesses on Route 66. There was one family in, uh, they had a fairly decent job. He worked for an oil company, six figures a year. And it was just a, a, a soul-crushing job. And they took a Route 66 trip. They fell, fell in love with the highway, the culture, the people. He quit. He walked away from it all. Bought a 1939 motel in Tucumcari, New Mexico. And he told me what during an interview. He says, I've never worked this hard in my life for so little money, and I've never been this happy. He was meeting people from all over the world and doing something he enjoyed. I've traveled the road, you know, off and on since 1959, and uh, most of my life's been tied to this thing, but it's just astounding what the road has become. A great example is 2018, I was very privileged to speak at the second European festival, Route 66 festival, in Zlin, the Czech Republic. And it was surreal. It was a, it was a quintessential small-town American event, a ZZ Top tribute band, 
And when the band wasn't playing, they were playing country music, Hank Williams and Marty Robbins. And they had a cruise night, people driving 70 Ford pickups and 57 Chevys. And, and it, was a, it was an American celebration, a Route 66 celebration. 20,000 plus people from 10 countries, including Brazil. And here I am, and it, it feels totally American, but I'm in a place where I can't understand anybody, read anything, and I have no idea what I'm eating. It's just really astounding what this road has become. And great work by Faith on that piece, on producing it and finding it. And thanks to Jim Hinckley for his work on the piece. And you can find more of Jim's work at jimhinckleysamerica.com. And by the way, Route 66 Encyclopedia and the Ghost Towns of Route 66 are his two books. And as always, a special thanks to Hillsdale College for sponsoring the segment. The story of Route 66, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We continue with Our American Stories, and we love to bring you stories of places across this great country of ours. And today, we bring you the story of a town. Hannibal, Missouri was, in the mid-1800s, a gateway to the vast unknown territory beyond the Mississippi, and the town that shaped Samuel Langhorne Clemens, the father of American literature, better known as Mark Twain. Here is Richard Gary, who spent the better part of three decades portraying Twain in a play he's written based on transcripts of Twain's own onstage material. In the early 2000s, Richard bought an old stable in the heart of Hannibal, Missouri, and turned it into a theater where he performs regularly. Here is Richard Gary. Well, what you have to understand is that when you cross the Mississippi River, you're in the West. It also was a river town. And that combination of being a western town and a river town assured that this, this was going to be wild. And then people are heading west, and this was a main immigration route because they wanted to get out to St. Joe, where the wagon trains were. So you could take the Oregon Trail, you could take the California Trail, or the Santa Fe Trail from St. Joe. Steamboats would hit town. Every type of character on Earth would get off. Sam Clemens, one day he was up here in this area somewhere, and he heard yelling. So his curiosity got the better of him, went down, Two men are yelling, some sort of argument, and one of them said, well, let's just take this argument to arms. And the other one said, well, that's fine with me. I'll just shoot you dead. It's kind of like the old Westerns, you know? So they went out, paced off 15 paces. turned and fired, and the little one was right. He got him the other one right in the chest. They both got shots off. Sam Clemens is standing there. Can you imagine his mother <laughs> with all of her children growing up and all of that? And so they picked the man up, they took him over to Grant's drugstore and put him out on the floor. And when shooting like that would happen in a small place, and about a thousand people lived here at that time, they all gather down there. What's going on? You know? And so the latecomers, and Sam describes this, he, the latecomers come up and they go, oh, move over. I pay taxes. I have as much a right to see a man die as anybody else. Move it. And so he said someone ran out and fetched a heavy Bible and brought it back. And he said, I was just a boy, but I thought it was cruel very cruel because they opened that heavy Bible up and they put it down on that poor man's chest. He was struggling to breathe. And 
According to the story, that pretty much did it. He breathed his last there. But he used that story in Huckleberry Finn. It's the killing of old Boggs by Colonel Sherburn, but it actually happened right down there. And he said, all writers that I know, uh, they take everything that's ever happened to them and eventually it goes into the material. But this uh, little alleyway here by the building is Dead Man's Alley. Well-earned, wide-open gambling places, saloons, stabbings in this alleyway. The whole town had that atmosphere, and that's why I say a Wild West town. Not totally lawless, but there's certainly that element. You know, the locals always trying to keep a lid on things, and then people coming from who knows where, and really they came from all over the world through here. On one occasion, an English lord came through here on safari, you know, and then it made sense because just like they went to Africa, they came here for American game. You know, grizzlies, buffalo, bighorn sheep, whatever, you know. And so he came through with his entourage, got a steamboat, headed on safari. <laughs> the steamboats, it's, it's part of the lore here. It's one reason the town existed as a trading center. There were no roads in those days, just none, just trails. But the Mississippi was their highway here. Huge commercial and transportation uh, vehicle in the center part of the country here. Like Sam Clemens' family, they came up here on steamboat. They didn't come covered wagons. He wasn't born here. He was born west of here in a tiny little place uh, called Florida. Monroe County, Missouri. And uh, I think Florida had about 100 people in it when he was born. They've preserved his house. It's over there as a tourist attraction. It's inside a building. And it's a tiny little house. He said, I've always referred to it as a palace, but there are photographs now. So I shall have to be more guarded. <laughs> when he was four, they moved here for greater opportunities. And his father built that house over on Hill Street, the White House over there. And that's where they lived first here, then after his father died, they were very poor. Can't imagine anyone more poverty-stricken than he was as a boy. And became our first celebrity worldwide he could get off a train in India and be instantly recognized. He's a worldwide uh, phenomenon. But he came from this little, little place. In those days, uh, people helped each other out. But he says his mother was not too proud to take any job. She took in washing. She his sister gave piano lessons over at the house. Uh, they did literally everything. And then she took him out of school at the start of sixth grade. And uh, he was apprenticed to Mr. A. Mint, who ran a newspaper. The building was right here in this lot. The hotel was over here in that building over on that side. There was a store down below, and his office was on the second floor. He didn't get paid anything as an apprentice, but he got room and board, so that's one less mouth to feed. And he's learning a trade. And he says he has no regrets from those days because right down there is where he learned to write in that newspaper office. And I can throw a stone down there from here. You know, it's just wonderful 
having that in my backyard. And we've been listening to Richard Gary, who has spent the better part of three decades portraying Twain. And by the way, small town America has created, well, so many geniuses in this country. And people from really tough circumstances have done, well, just the unimaginable in this country. When we continue the story of Hannibal, Missouri, the town that created Mark Twain. This is Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we return to Our American Stories and to Richard Gary's storytelling about a small town in Missouri called Hannibal. It happens to also be the place that Mark Twain put on the map. Let's return to Richard. He had a, his mother rented a little slave, Sandy. in all respects, except officially became its brother, lived in a house over there. I think it's all those experiences that led, you know, to his amazing movement from the culture of his time to someone who created that tiring, heroic black figure. We don't give him enough credit. He's criticized for using the N-word, but oh, he was so far ahead. This is racism central right here. When he grew up, he was willing to examine everything. He, um, he believed that you needed to examine everything. He said, you need to look at life, you need to think about it, and then make up your own rules. And he said, that's not as easy as it sounds. But I think that's what he did. And he grew up thinking that slavery was God-ordained. Um, his father was a slaveholder. Half the town was slave, half free. But he, he didn't, as he grew up, he didn't just accept it. He was willing to challenge himself, to think about it. And of course, he had some great influences like Sandy and like Uncle Dan'l, who was a slave on his uncle's farm, that used to tell them stories every night. He was a master storyteller. Um, not formally educated at all, but he said the most educated man I ever knew. He told them all the Uncle Remus tales long before Joel Chandler Harris wrote them down. They were folklore. And so he would hold them spellbound and he said, that good man gave me my love of story and literature. Single-handedly, he said, he just handed it to me every night I heard him. And so he's the model for Jim, Uncle Down. But all those experiences uh, he thought about, he pondered, he... And then I think the catalyst when he went out to California, he saw how the Chinese were being treated. And it outraged him. And he took up their cause in the newspaper. That was his first foray into defense of a minority. And then uh, Huckleberry Finn is into that whole question of slavery and the, and the rights of, of black men. What you see in Huckleberry Finn is this boy and this man going down the river, trying to escape from that hole. The boy is escaping a, a drunk, abusive father, and, and Jim is escaping slavery. And as they go along, though, as you read the book, it slowly dawns on Huckleberry 
this is a man. I've never thought of him as a man, but, and it's just little chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. See, they told them in Sunday school that if they didn't tell them to run away, they would go to hell. And that's quite a, a threat and, and something that would have a lot of, uh, of influence on a kid. And uh, they see some lies. And Huckleberry says, that might be Cairo. I better go paddle ashore and see. So he had made up his mind telling. But he had already written a letter too. So he pushes off and Jim says, there you go, the old true Huck. You the only white gentleman ever keep his promise, old Jim. He said took the tuck out of him and he got to thinking. So he tore up the letter. And he said, well, I'll just go to hell. See that, you see, that's when he goes, this is my friend. This is a human being. I'm not going to do it. I'll go to hell. But that's what it means. It's powerful. Now, it hits you right. And it's like, it's what I call Hannibal finesse. <laughs> he takes a two by four and slaps you across the face with it. You know, wake up. This is what, and anytime you're denigrating one of these people, you know, what are you doing? But what makes it even more powerful is that he came out of all of that where it was just an everyday thing. He's immersed in that racism. I mean, up to his low neck, you know, in it every day, yet he comes out of it. And, and, and that's part of what I've been fascinated with, you know, this, how that, how did that happen and what? And I think part of it is, is that, that independence here where um, nobody forces anyone to their point of view here. You can fly your own flag if you want. You know, and, and it's still here, and I, I think it used to be more prevalent in America that that was possible. You know, I don't, dis, I don't agree with you. Well, that's fine. We can still be neighbors. I remember my grandfather saying that. A man came over. I'm from Tennessee originally. My grandfather had a cotton farm that I worked on growing up. And my grandfather always voted Republican. Now, if you don't know much about the South in those days, that was the protest <laughs> party. That was uh, the party of Reconstruction. Of uh, that was anti-racism. And the Democrat Party was the party of uh, Jim Crow and keeping people down. And the guy came over. See, my great-grandfather fought for the Union. He was born in Ireland, came here, hated slavery, fought for the Union in the war. And so my family had always been Republican there in the South. So this guy comes over and says, Chester, you're going to have to vote Democratic this time. There's just no way you can vote Republican. And my grandfather said, well, there is. I just go in and mark my ballot. He said, no, you're, you're really going to. I'd hate to get rough on you. And my grandfather said, well, you can get as rough as you want, but we'll still remain friends, and you'll vote Democrat, and I'll vote Republican. Thank you.
And yes, there was a time when such things happened. I think they still happen here today, though maybe not as frequently as we would like. And you were listening to Richard Gary. And my goodness, I don't think there's a guy in America who knows more about the subject of Hannibal, Missouri, or Mark Twain. Well, he didn't just create the American novel. Many people think it was the finest and still is the finest American novel. But my goodness, he did so much more and used humor as a weapon, a real weapon. And we've learned a lot about Hannibal, Missouri, thanks to Richard Gary's terrific narration and storytelling. The father of American literature, Mark Twain, the town he spent the formative part of his young life, and that's Hannibal, Missouri, the story of both, and so much more, here on Our American Stories. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.